Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. We are in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. Hello, everybody. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder at Generations Church. And with me today is my friend and pastor, Jeff Luddington, lead pastor at Generations Church. Good to see you, Jeff. Hey, Rob, good morning, and welcome to the Generations Church podcast yourself, man. Man, it's it's, it's good to be here. Well, if you're listening right now, we're in our series. We're at Lord's Day 35. That's pretty much episode 35 for us. And uh, if you're unfamiliar, you're just jumping in, let me give you some information that'll help you catch up. We are studying the 52 weeks or Lord's Days of the Heidelberg Catechism. And a catechism is something, it is a way of learning, it's a way of educating, where you memorize questions and answers. And this has been done for hundreds and hundreds, I think more than, you know, well over a thousand years. Uh, and it's, it's just a way of learning truth. And I often use the example of the way I learned my multiplication or times tables, you know, one times one is one, one times two is two. I just memorized all the answers because they were true. How to work catechism, we, have, we use that as learning. We memorize truth. And what you need to hear is it is only as true as it submits to the truth of Scripture. And so that's where we are if you're just jumping in. Rob is my friend and elder at our church. And he is doing his first episode today uh, because other states keep stealing our people. And so if you've been around for any amount of time, Idaho took Pastor Vinny and Pastor Scott, who's been doing this with me, is getting ready to move his family to Texas. In fact, uh, it's Monday morning, us recording this. I know it'll come out tomorrow, I believe. But uh, I think he's just now getting back from Texas and uh, today. He spent the weekend out there. So. Rob, you're up, man. It is not hopeful. Now, do you own your home here in Southern California? Uh, we do, and I was born and raised in, in Orange County and still live in Orange County, and at least another five or so years going to be in Orange County. Another five or so years. See, I can't – even owning a home doesn't help me. All right, so, all right. Hey, man, I am I – am, I, I, I always tell people there's two kinds of Californians. The, the people – I mean, meaning people that are born here – they either will never ever leave because they just life other places doesn't make sense or they're born here and they can't wait to get out for some reason. And so uh, five more years for you, is that a, like we're planning on a, I know you're not that old, but like it can't be retirement. What, what's in five nope, years? It's, it's, fun? it's retirement, man. I just, I look a lot younger than I am. Getting All right. ready to, Beautiful. You can only teach for so long and then, and then you just gotta, you gotta do something else. Well, that's the rumor. So I hope they keep me at the church then. all right if you're joining us today this is lord's day 35 what we'll call episode 35 so week 35 and we're in the part of the the catechism where we are talking about the ten commandments and so i'm going to do this like a father would to a son or a discipler to a disciple i'm going to read the question and rob is going to answer it and then we will work our way through it so you ready rob yeah let's go All right, man, here it goes. 96, 97, and 98 are our questions today. So first one, 96, what is God's word for us in the second commandment? That we in no way make an image of God, nor worship him in any other way that has been commanded in God's word. 
All right, number 97, may we then not make any image at all? God cannot and may not be visibly portrayed in any way. Although creatures may be portrayed, yet God forbids making or having such images if one's intention is to worship them or to serve God through them. That's good. Question 98, last one for us today. But may not images be permitted in churches in place of books for the unlearned? No, we should not try to be wiser than God. God wants the Christian community instructed by the living preaching of his word, not by idols that cannot even talk. That's good. So this is, uh, if, you're, if you're joining us or if you have listened to some of these, this was written about 450 years ago. And uh, as the Protestant Reformation was sweeping through uh, Europe and other areas, the, pro the, the, the issue that created the Protestant Reformation was the Roman Catholic Church kind of going off the rails. In fact, it's at a place where Roman Catholics today would tell you 500 years ago, the Roman Catholic Church was off the rails. And so um, one of the things, and now this is distinct, but one of the things that, they, that people were saying, hey, this is what's wrong in the church, was that there was a lot of idolatry. And now we've got to kind of parse that out. So in question 96, what is God's will for us? The second commandment is that we in no way make any image of God, nor worship him in any other way than has been commanded in God's word. So when you hear that, Rob, what, do you, what are you thinking of? Well, when I look at it, it's I think a lot of people... Um, Look at the second or that second commandment and say, "Man, this is just about idols. As long as I stay away from idols, I'm okay." Um, but I think that makes it really clear: this is not just about idols. It's about the manner in which we worship. Right? The first commandment is about who we worship. The second commandment is about how we worship. And I think, uh, I think, looking at the Old Testament, you see a lot of of accounts there of of people worshiping God in a way that He did not command. And, and God is very serious about being worshipped correctly. We see Cain and his offering not being accepted. Um, Aaron, the high priest, his sons um, dying because they are, are worshiping using um, strange or unauthorized fire or the golden calf, all of those kind of things. Um, so I guess that, that just brings up a question to me is, you know, why is God not okay with just worshiping him, worshiping the correct God? Why does he insist we worship him in a particular way? We can't just do it the way we want to. It's a great question, and uh, I'll give you, i use a couple of those examples. So what a lot of people may not understand uh, is when you read through Genesis, and uh, I guess that wouldn't be Genesis, I guess that'd be Exodus, where they worship the golden calf, right? So you're, you're kind of reading the story of Moses. Moses goes up on the mountain, and he stays too long, right? I mean, literally what happens is people get impatient, and so they, he comes back down, and they've all thrown their gold in a fire and, and they've made a golden calf. And this was they, what we don't know. If you don't kind of get into some of the culture, they had made an image of God. And it wasn't an image of a different God. They were actually making an image of Yahweh. That was their idea was let's make this golden calf that will kind of represent God. Uh, unlike other places like, you know, you and I were in Isaiah on Sundays right now. And as the people went into Babylon in chapters prior, they were confronted with other idols, idols that did not represent God, that represented other false gods, false idols. And 
God says none of this, right? Like you don't get to do any of this. And whether it is making an image of God, the God of the Bible, or of something else, right? Uh, God says no. And I think there's two points here. One is as soon as you make an image of God the Father, and I say it that way for a reason, I'll get there in a second, but if you make an image of the Father, you have limited him. There's no way to grasp or contain God in an image, right? As soon as you do that, you make him in your own, You let me rephrase this, see, you're making God in the image you want him to be, right? If you want him to be big and powerful to take on your battles, you make him big and powerful. If you want him to provide money, you make him rich, right? Whatever it might be. The other side of that is making images existing out of creation. And I love the words of Paul in Romans 1. It's, I don't know which verse, it's around like 27, but he says uh, that you exchange the worship of the creator for worship of created things, right? And we're just missing the point of who God is. So along those lines, can we worship just any way we want to? And the answer is absolutely not. That God creates us, God creates worship. Let me give you a parallel. So to finish that thought, so we are to worship the way God calls us to. I'll give you a parallel. It's like marriage. If you, you're married to Robin, I'm married to Lisa. We don't just get to be husbands and be married any way we want to. Like there's rules to the game here, right? There, there is, hey, one wife and her only, right? There's, there's lots of things and we all get that, right? Now, do people out, are there people out there in open marriages doing crazy things that make zero sense to almost everybody? Yes, but that's a great example of false worship, right? And so, no, we don't get to worship God any old way we want, we want to. In fact, when we don't worship God the way he proclaims or the way he calls us to, really what we're doing is making ourselves God and God subjected to us. And ultimately, that's sin. Make sense? Yeah, makes perfect sense. So Good. Sometimes uh, I get rambling and I'm not sure, so I'm glad. <laughs> so let me, let me then ask this. If, if we are supposed to be worshiping God the way he commands why do you see so many different styles of worship out there? You can walk into different churches or nowadays live stream six different churches on a Sunday morning and you'll find uh, quite a variety of different things going on in services, different types of services, different types of music. Um, you know, how do you, how do you reconcile all that with this? Yeah. So you and I, uh, and if you're listening today and this doesn't make sense, maybe we'll pick this up on another day, but, uh, to, to kind of bracket this conversation, you and I, we exist inside of a Reformed church. And a Reformed, it does come out of that Protestant Reformation 500 years ago. So Protestant protesting what was wrong in the Roman Catholic Church at the time. Reformation, we wanted to fix it, reform it. And so out of that is birthed a movement called the Reformation, right? And so out of that is some uh, lots of streams of churches that, we, that identify themselves as Reformed, meaning they are birthed out of that moment. And so inside of that, there's a lot of variety. Now, even kind of add on top of that Methodists and Baptists and Pentecostals and this and that Orthodox churches and whatever. Uh, and you get a lot of variety in what church can look like. So you might, act, you might walk into one church and, you know, the, the pastor uh, is in a robe. Uh, the folks are all dressed up and there's a uh, call and response, you know, uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. And, 
you know, it just a more high church-ish feel, right? A lot of a lot of liturgy or verses and calls and responses and activity. And really the desire of all of that is to make worship or the worship service a two-way conversation between God and humanity, right? Then you walk into another church and it's shorts and flip-flops and everybody is pretty casual. And the band on stage is, you know, more like a, a casual, like kind of folksy acoustic band or a rock band or whatever. Modern day versions, there's some churches that are, you know, hip hop and kind of other styles of music that fit their context. Um, and then there's, and there's, there's very strict ones and very loose ones. And so um, there's some terms, regulative principle, um, permissive, normative. There's some things that we talked about. The regular principle is unless the Bible commands us to do it, we won't do it. So you'll never find those churches kind of showing a video or doing a drama. They're like, no, this is what God calls us to. He calls us, you know, he's, he wants a call to worship. He wants a perfect, he wants a confession of sin and assurance of pardon. He wants us to say the creed or he wants to do this or do that, right? And kind of things. And, and it's, it's what they have seen God command them to do. And they feel like in order to not get any strange fire, as we talked about, or any unwanted worship, they narrow themselves to just that. And I think those folks, there's, they're, not, they're not bad people by thinking that. They are trying to not worship wrongly. I think that's probably the narrow view. Then there's the ultimately permissive view where you walk in and there might be some abstract video, maybe some art you know, maybe a drama, maybe whatever, some video clips and different things. And what they're trying to do is capture worship in the context of culture that they're in, right? And so see things as all as permissive. We land more in the normative camp. Like what, what is God trying to normalize in all worship? It's not ultimately prescriptive, like this is the only thing you can do. And it's not also open-ended, right? And so um, we don't do, in fact, there's a thing we push back in, in our church. We don't do much that's entertaining just to be entertaining. Like we don't do an offertory song that has not, a, that, that is where people can't join in or something. And so, uh, everything we do, we want to find it in the values of scripture. We want to proclaim who God is. We want to have a, a time of confessing sin and knowing that our sins are forgiven. Sometimes we'll do that in verses. Sometimes we'll do that in songs. We want to proclaim the gospel. And in a normal era, without coronavirus restrictions, we take communion weekly. We believe that that is a means of grace. Um, but there's lots of ways to do that, right? There's, you know, some people hand it all out to the congregation. We do that once every few months. Some people take, you know, the bread and they dip it in the cup or they take a bread and a cup and they go sit and do it by themselves or do it corporately. What normative is for us is we believe God has called us to do communion. That's a good example, right? We don't think that he's called us to do it a single way, right? We see some different examples in scripture. We see different examples in scripture about baptism. We choose immersion. That's the style of baptism we like. And that's probably what happened with John when, uh, with Jesus when John baptized him. But that's definitely not what happened with the Ethiopian that Philip baptized on the road, right? So there was no body of water around there. So we try and find the value and not make rules where scripture hasn't made rules, but also not go bananas and think we can do any kind of worship we want to. Does that give, does that give us some good guardrails? Does that make any sense?
Yeah, yeah, I think it does. And I, I think just from knowing you and having listened to you preach and, and teach uh, for years, um, I think that I can, I'm pretty safe in saying if somebody's listening to this and they just heard something and they think, oh, I'm not sure if our worship service at our particular church um, really is what God wants us to do. You wouldn't tell them, hey, get out of that church immediately. You would and tell them, go talk to your pastor or an elder and, and get it That's explained good. and work through it, right? Yeah. Here's what I've learned about liturgy. I've had a, I've hired a lot of worship leaders. In fact, we're in a worship leader search right now. We've got a guy that we're going to have come back again next Sunday and play with our team. He played last time with his own band. When I do this, there's a, a lot of worship. In fact, most, probably most worship leaders out there. I don't know if that's an overstatement. Most American worship leaders are not super familiar with liturgy. Now, if you're listening and you don't know that word, Liturgy is just liturgy is just the structure to your worship service. Everybody has one. Sometimes they aim at one. Sometimes they have a purpose for theirs. But everybody has an order of service, a flow of service that they're trying to work through. And so what I've learned is a lot of people are just unfamiliar with it, with what it is that they're doing, or they were taught this way, but they don't even really know that it is a particular way. And so yes, if you're hearing this and you have questions. Ask your senior pastor, ask your elders, ask your worship leader, why do we approach worship the way we do? And and just, yeah, I wouldn't say go run screaming out, you know, because you saw a drama next Sunday. Please don't do that. Ask more questions. And if you're in a church that does very regulative principle, very structured worship, um, man, there's a beauty to that. And that's not how we function all the time. But there is a beauty and, and their desire is to honor God. So both sides, I think, are trying to honor God. We have to navigate what does God really call us to. Great. Thanks. Um, yeah. I think we kind of wrap up with this one. I, I It's a little confusing when you look at that last question that we did, question answer 98. Um, may images mm. be permitted in churches in place of books for the unlearned? And we said, no, um, we should not try to be wiser than God. Um, how do we... How do we look at that and say, well, wait a minute, in our Sunday school sometimes, or just as parents, you know, we show DVDs, Blu-rays to our kids of, you know, fruits and vegetables, yeah. teaching Bible <laughs> stories, or we've Don't got- my veggie tales. Sorry, man, sorry. Um, <laughs> but we've also got, you know, like, like The Chosen is out there now, a TV show that's, yeah. that's very popular, yeah. or the Bible series was out a couple years ago, or even The Passion of the Christ I use in my right. New Testament class at school. You know, how do we, how do we look at that in light of this? That's great. That's a great question. So, uh, again, I love the question, but may not images be permitted in churches in place of books for the unlearned? So here, the sometimes we have to read the question and ask, why was the question written? And again, this was really, and the catechism at times is explicitly against the Roman Catholic Church, right? And again, I want to give, if you're Roman Catholic and listening, right, it's against a Roman Catholic church 450 years ago that most Roman Catholics today disagree with. So it's, it's a different era. But what this is asking about is using images uh, in place of the Bible. And so just imagine that question is loaded with bias. Well, what about when there was no Bible? Like, what about when, when the, the New Testament had not been written, right? They're, they're asking a contextual question that was the context was 450, 500 years ago. So can an image be made of God to instruct people if they can't read? That's kind of what the question is asking. 
And it's like, no, we shouldn't be trying try and be wiser than God who told us, make no images of me, right? And then it says, God wants the Christian community to be instructed by the living preaching of his word, not by idols that cannot even talk. So the key word there is idols. And an idol is something that you make an image of and worship, right? So um, the church has gone through many versions of this. Icons, icons of Mary, icons of Jesus, icons of Peter, icons of Augustine or whoever else, uh, St. Benedict, uh, things like that. Some people worship icons in an unhealthy way. Others have used icons in instruction. I think that there are ways that you can use that wrong. I think there are ways you can use that right. This is pushing back against wrong ones where images of God are made. And so I think VeggieTales is safe, by the way, unless VeggieTales shows up with one vegetable being God, just for the record, all right? But as long as it's Bob the Tomato and Larry the Cucumber, I think we're super safe. And those little peas that run around, I like them. <laughs> uh, and uh, one of these days, I'll tell you the story about me laughing so hard that I had to run in and get Lisa and show her when uh, when Larry is singing in Spanish. That was my favorite. That's my favorite. <laughs> so if you know what that is, you guys can all hear, oh, pobre tomate, tomate no cantando. You know, it was, uh, it was just so, it was so hilarious. Anyhow. But I will say this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish with the passion of the Christ. Uh, several years ago, I had a family in my church come to me. They had come from another church and I'm going to make a few huge assumptions. I bet this other church was regulative principle. I bet it was very staunch in their belief and very narrow in their view of how to do this. Uh, we, were, we were getting ready for Easter and on one of the nights leading up to Easter during Passion Week, we were gonna show the passion of the Christ. And they came up and they had been told that that was idolatry because it makes an image of Jesus. And so um, it's a fair question. Um, the church they had come from forbid the watching of it. And, uh, and, and you got you to gotta do the logic here because Jesus is God, make no image of Jesus. And so earlier I said I'd circle back to this, but this is about God the Father, right? Uh, and and I, will, I will push this a few ways. So Jesus was human. We got to see him, God the Father we have never seen, right? The Holy Spirit even is given an image that the Holy, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove, not in a dove, but like a dove. It showed the grace and descension of a dove, right? And so it is okay to see Jesus as a human being. Um, I bet most of our image of Jesus are wrong. They look very white, uh, very blow-dried hair, uh, you know, and Jesus was clearly a Jewish man 2,000 years ago, probably around Palestine somewhere, right? So, um, so probably have different images. But when we make an image of God, the unseen God, that's where we step over the line. Um, I think icons that have been made, especially in like the Orthodox tradition, that have been made to tell stories, um, stained glass. We have stained glass on both sides of our stage in the church that tell stories. One of them is the hand of Christ blessing down on the church. And we, of course, inherited that, uh, that stained glass from uh, the Lutheran church that we bought our building from. But it's beautiful and it does teach and tell the stories. When we do flannel graphs for little kids to teach them, I don't know if anybody does flannel graphs anymore, but that was a thing when you and I were young, um, or veggie tales, or like you said, chosen. As long as we're not making an image of God the Father, I believe we're in safe territory. The second caution, 
don't make an image of Jesus, then bow down and worship it, right? It's not the image, right? Jesus is God, right? We don't bow down to an image. And so I'll, I'll kind of button us up today with the same thing. In Romans 1, don't exchange worship of the creator, the one who is uncreated, the one who made everything. Don't exchange that for worship of an image. And even this final question talks about uh, not by idols that cannot even talk. Idols are something people worship. And so don't give your worship a thing. Give your worship to God. Great. All right. Well, hopefully you guys all uh, learned something new about the uh, second commandment. Um, just want to thank Jeff for letting me be a part of this and co-hosting with him. Man, thank um, you. Yeah, tell all of you out there, all you listeners out there, you'll never give up on your dreams. You never know when you're going to get the call to sit That's down it. with you the... You got called up to the big league. Yeah, to sit down with a man like this. I'm not going to say sit down with your idol because I just learned that I can't say that. Um, but yeah, sit down with someone you respect and just get a chance to do something like this. So uh, thanks for listening to the Generations Church podcast. Uh, just a reminder, every Tuesday, we release a new Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude episode. Uh, we hope you'll subscribe. We hope you will... Uh, leave us a review and share us on your uh, different social media platforms. And we thank you for being here with us. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church. G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.